This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 76 with Sierra Say. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. This episode of the Shameless Mom Academy is sponsored by Ava, the first ever adaptive eating program. Ava helps you and your family learn about nutrition and how to live a healthier lifestyle. Track what you eat by snapping a picture with your phone, ask Ava any nutrition question, and get personalized meal recommendations. You can try it now for free by texting SHAMELESS to 48799. Sierra Say is a millennial entrepreneur who vows to inspire, empower, and mentor those who take a different path. Sierra says she's been cut from a different cloth and never wanted to take the traditional route in life. She's an entrepreneur from Detroit, Michigan, who has a real estate business as well as a network marketing business. She recently launched her own podcast entitled The College Dropout Podcast, where she interviews entrepreneurs who either dropped out of college or skipped college altogether. Those who have chosen to take a different path, if you will. Her goal is to help individuals like herself who don't have a formal education yet still want to succeed in the world of entrepreneurship. In her spare time, Sierra loves to spend time with her friends and family, as well as reading and enjoying helping and mentoring others. Today, we're going to talk to Sierra about her experience with college, the reasons she didn't finish college, the reason she's now a proud dropout. We're also going to talk to her about her story of loss. When her son, Christian, was just one year old, she lost her mother and her grandmother within just a couple months of each other. And these women were her primary caregivers her entire life. Uh, additionally, the losses were 
unexpected. So it was a pretty dramatic and traumatic time in Sierra's life. And we're going to talk to her about how she got through that, uh, what she learned from that experience, what she's instilling in her kids as a result of her amazing relationships with her mother and her grandmother, and what she's doing with her life as an entrepreneur, um, coming out on the other side of grief and loss and moving forward in a really positive way to impact other other moms and other women um, and other entrepreneurs on the other side. So let's go ahead and dive in with Sierra Say. Sierra Say, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I've been listening to the show actually for a couple of weeks now. Uh, so I, I wanted to take the opportunity and, and speak with you when you put the call out. So just thank you so much for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. So you have a podcast as well. And we'll make sure we talk about that later in the show. But I'm excited because when I get to get podcasters on here, it's it's does it feel like the tables are a little turned for you? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> it's, fun. It's, inter- it's definitely interesting to be on the other side. It is. Yeah. I love doing podcast interviews because I feel like I show up in a different way. Like I don't have to worry about what's coming next as much. Whereas like if I'm running the interview, I'm always thinking like one step ahead kind of. So it's kind of nice to just mm-hmm. show up and be a guest and just chat for a while. So yeah, so very <laughs> excited to have you. So go ahead and tell us a little bit. You we're here to talk about your relationship with your mother and your grandmother. And so I'm really looking forward to diving into that. And also the situation around the loss of your mother and your grandmother in a really critical time in your life or in your son's life when your son was just a little boy. So go ahead and Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life currently. And then we'll go ahead and step back into your story about your mother, your grandmother and your son. Okay. Um, well, the dynamics of my personal professional life is, is interesting. It's almost like a, a big puzzle piece, if if you will. Um, you know, right now I'm running two, I would, I, you know, I might as well say three businesses. <laughs> um, I have a real estate business. Um, I have a network marketing business. And recently I've uh, partnered with my best friend on, on a business venture as well. Um, so that's my professional life. I primarily work from home and, and I was thinking about it the other day. I do most of my work, but between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. Nice. Um, once my kids get home, it, I, I kind of shut it down. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have to give them their time and I can't stay up late anymore. So I don't have to make <laughs> Me sure. neither. Yeah, like after, <laughs> it's so weird. After like 9, 30, 10 o'clock, it, and some days I tell myself, you know, you're going to work late. No, I'm not. I'm going to go to bed <laughs> when they go to bed. Um, I so, so relate. Yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, I, I have to literally schedule everything. Like, everything professionally and personally um i think that's the way i I stay on track like i said monday through friday nine to two is it's all business work if i have to schedule meetings and, and things like that I try to make sure it's between those hours. Every blue moon, you know, I may have to go outside of, of my boundaries because I, I can't demand, you know, other people's time like that as well. But right. I try to make sure I, I stick to that. So I, I work a lot. I work hard, but I, I make sure I'm productive with the amount of hours that I do have. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I think nothing makes you more disciplined with your time than having children. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. And I, <laughs> I I can totally relate when I when my son was first born. I was like, yeah, like, we'll just, you know, after he goes to bed, then we can just go back to work because my husband and I both had our own businesses at that time and there was like no way I could go back to work like 
no. 7 p.m. I'm done. I can barely like put a dish in the dishwasher. So. <laughs> it, it is. So I, I told myself that yesterday. I'm like, OK, tomorrow's going to be the late day. <laughs> Did not happen. Did not happen. Yeah. It's, it's just all or nothing between nine and two. Right. But then I love that you like know your limits, too. So you're probably way more disciplined during nine and two now that you realize <laughs> the limitations of your evenings. <laughs> right. <laughs> so and you have two little boys, right? Yes, two. Um, Christian and Caleb. Christian is six. Caleb is four. Okay. Christian actually will be seven in January, so nice. I should probably start saying he's seven. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and they, I could imagine that once they are home at two o'clock, I could see where you would not get much done because those are pretty active ages. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, more so with, with Christian than Caleb. Caleb is, is like the chill child. Okay. Christian is like, um, I need my attention and I need it now. And he's very... <laughs> Very active. He's in the first grade. He's okay. on the chess team. Oh my gosh. And uh, we have a tournament tomorrow that's going to be like a 12 hour day for a chess tournament. So I'm hoping wow. to get work done there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So he has his own schedule as well, which is, you know, now my schedule. Yeah. But, you know, that I enjoy it because he's, he's doing something that he actually loves to do right now. That is so impressive. So, what is he in a 12 hour day of chess? How long is he playing? Yeah. How long does he play for? Is it off um, and on? throughout the day yeah it, tomorrow they have five rounds each round is a 45 minute um max so they okay. have to complete the game within 45 minutes and i think they get like 15 20 minute breaks in between okay. so it's not that much of a break it's definitely um you know they have to be focused like yeah. it's competitive chess and sometimes i look at him and i'm like how are you doing this <laughs> seriously <laughs> Yeah, and and tomorrow is a state tournament. On the regular tournament days, it's it's an eight hour day, so it's like eight to four. But that's still a long time to try yeah. to be focused and you know sit still, and it's it's very intense. I didn't think it was going to be this intense, but it wow. is. Wow, how how long has he been playing chess? He started last year, but this okay. year is his first year competing. So he okay. started. He he learned how to play in kindergarten. They offered it at his school. Okay, and um. But this is the first year that he's actually competing. So far, you know, he, he's been doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, but there are some really, really talented kids in chess. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> that is so cool. This is, is like completely fascinating to me because I'm not I'm not I'm not familiar with chess. Per, I've never oh, played. Me neither. And me this neither. is so cool. And like what a cool way to channel energy and focus for a little for a high energy kid. That's right. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Well, I love that little uh, transgression in our conversation. <laughs> so, and then you have your four-year-old who's the chill one. Yeah, he's just like, you know, give me some juice, <laughs> turn on Paw Patrol and leave so me alone. Funny. So does he go to these chess tournaments as well? No, okay. I, I, don't th say. I don't think he would. He wouldn't yeah. be able to handle it. No, right. no, he, he hasn't. I think tomorrow, you know what? Tomorrow, I think he's actually going. Okay. We'll see how this works out. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a brave experiment. Let's just start. Tr let's just try this out on the 12 hour day. <laughs> right, right. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to take him for a couple walks because yeah. the, the other cool. Well, it, you know, the other thing about it is that the parents can't be in the room while they're playing. So I don't even see him play. I just oh, wow. when he's done he comes out says whether he you know win lost or draw you know gets a little break and then he's right back in there that's the other the other thing about it wow oh so you can totally get some stuff done then while he's in plane yeah if the yeah. if you're if the chill four-year-old allows <laughs> <laughs> right so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about your uh, the rest of your family you lost your mother and your grandmother when your first son is your first son christian 
Yes. Okay. So Christian, your older son, when he was really young. So tell us about your mother and grandmother and the role that they played in your life. Um, my mother and my, and my grandmother, they played a, a huge role in my life. Um, my mother for, I would say 80%, not not 80%, but for the, uh, a, a large part of my childhood, she was a single mom. Okay. She met my stepfather and they got married when I was in high school, but he had been around when I was in third, since I was in third grade. Wow. But, um, you know, just to backtrack, my mother was a very, very strong, determined woman. Um, she had me at a young age. She had me her senior year in high school. Wow. And to see her, I, I remember as a child, the, the struggle until she was able to, you know, um, complete her schooling and go ahead and, and get a good job. I remember the struggle and just seeing her never give up, never have any excuses. I remember she worked as a waitress and her boss was a, a great guy, would allow me to come to work with her because she didn't have a babysitter. That's when my grandmother was working. So if my grandmother was working and she was working, my grandmother couldn't watch me. Okay. Um, you know, and he would let me fill up the ketchup bottles. Uh, but yeah, like they, they <laughs> both were very strong, um, determined women. Like I said, never made any excuses, never asked for a pity party. They just always knew they had to get stuff done. And when my grandmother retired, that's when I started spending a lot of time with her because that's when my mom started working a whole lot. And it was her new job. She worked for the uh, United States Postal Service, actually. Okay. And my, my grandmother, like, <laughs> I remember my grandmother didn't drive. I, I To this day, I still do not know why. And we literally <laughs> caught the bus and walked everywhere like wow. everywhere and I remember her just giving me just small nuggets of information at the most random times <laughs> like things <laughs> it, and I would be like eight like looking like what are you talking about it is so funny because now I remember that stuff and I'm like okay I get it now yeah one of the most important things she always taught me was that no matter who you meet no matter what they look like or what who you think they are you know, no matter what they're driving, basically don't judge people because you never know who you're meeting. You never yeah. know how that person could help you in the long run and, and things like that. Oh, so, yeah, they, they that. played a huge, a huge role in my life. Huge role. Oh, that's that's so cool. And I love I love that the intergenerational component there that you have to have like two primary caretakers from two different generations, I think is mm -hmm. so valuable and something that a lot of people don't have. A lot of us don't have grandparents, you know, my grandparents, um, I had one grandparent alive growing up. Um, mm -hmm. My two of my grandparents, one died before I was born. One died when I was one. Another one died when I was in early in grade school and had been sick for many years. So I never really was connected to him. And then I had my one grandma, my mom's mom, and I saw her a couple times a year, but she wasn't a super involved part of my life because she didn't live close to me. And I think that, oh, I think, okay. I think in many ways, that's pretty common that we, for many people, they don't have their grandparents in their daily life. So what a gift to have, be able to have all that time with your grandmother. Um, and especially all those walks. I mean, the, <laughs> oh, yeah. all the walking and busing, like it, yeah. I'm sure at the time you were like, why. seriously, <laughs> But that's like yeah. a lot. It's a lot of quality time. Yeah. So oh, and it's I so funny because she had friends who, who you know, kind of lived in our neighborhood, and they would have like these card games, and like we would go over there, and then I would just know we were going to get a ride home. She's like, "No, we're walking." I'm like, "Again? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody here has the car. Why do we have to walk?" <laughs> that is so funny. So tell us about the role. Uh, tell us about the loss of them um, at the time in your life when you really needed them. So take us back to like your son. He was a baby, and talk to us yeah. about kind of what was going on at the time um, of his birth and your relationship with them at that time and then what transpired in the following year? 
well, um, at the time when I lost both of them, you know, it, it was really tough because I don't, you know, I don't think anybody ever has the the, the indication that they're going to lose their parents while their children are young. Like, right. we don't think about that. You know, you know, we're pregnant. We're happy. Most of us, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we have the baby and, you know, you're automatically counting on that guidance whether it's from mm-hmm. your grandmother or from your mother like you I think we automatically we know that it's like the safety net almost like right. if I don't know I can call my mom or I can call my grandmother so when when I lost you know both of them within a very short period of time um, of each other it was I mean it was really it was devastating because I, I honestly the the idea of going through motherhood without having my own mother was very, very scary to me. Yeah. Um, I'm much, much better with it now because, you know, I have friends who have children now. And it's so funny because now they all look at me like I'm their mom, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, it, it was it was tough. The first I would say the first up until Christian probably turned about four or five. It was really hard because, yeah. you know, I, I ended up having Caleb when Christian was about three. Okay. So um, I was very, I would say stubborn. I, I know for a fact there were people I could have called on to get the type of help and to, the, to get the type of information that I needed, even if it was just a talk. But I, I didn't. I didn't want anybody to feel sorry for me, if you will. Right. So I I sheltered myself. I shut a lot of people out. And I had on this this facade that everything was OK. Like er, literally, that's that's what everybody thought. I remember while planning my mom's funeral, her best friend like literally stopped me and was like, you're way too calm right now. And I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> but it wasn't until I went through that breaking point that I figured out I was not OK. Yeah. So. Uh, and how? When, you know, when did that when was that breaking point? That breaking point was when I was pregnant with Caleb, actually. Okay. So that had that was the summer of 2012. So about a year and a half after they both passed okay. away. And tell um, us about the timeline. So how old was or go ahead and tell us about the timeline of like the birth of your son and then the loss of each of them and how old your son was at okay. that time, just so we have a, some context around that. So Christian was born um, January 2010, January 13th, 2010, to be exact. Um, So my mother passed away May 2011. And then my grandmother passed away July 2011. And just two months apart. Yeah. And and, and it's so weird if I could just condense the the events and how it happened. Um, My grandmother actually was sick before my mother. My mother did have the disease lupus, um, but at the time she wasn't having any complications like she was totally fine. Um, My grandmother um, was was in a nursing home and she had got sick or something. And then they ended up rushing her to the hospital. Um, At the same time, my mom was in the hospital, but my mom was in the hospital for just a, um, a blood clot issue like she was literally on her way home like in two or three days this is what the doctor told me okay. um so my grandmother goes in something happens um I think she ended up having a heart attack and they called me down because my mom obviously is in the hospital she couldn't go and they were just you know like asking me questions about you know reviving her blah 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 but she was fine like she was literally fine wow. so I go and tell my mom and I'm like okay you know you got to get out of here grandma's sick you know you know, we don't know what's going to happen. And for some reason, I, I kind of feel like maybe that triggers something within my mother. I, I have no idea what. Mm-hmm. So um, it may have been 
the next, I believe the next day was Mother's Day. I called her. I was going to go down there, but my dad was there with my stepfather, but I called my dad. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, your dad's here. I'm fine. You know, I'll be home in a couple of days. So I'm like, fine. I, I didn't go. Then the next day I was on my, my way to work and my dad calls me. He's like, you got to get to the hospital right now. And I'm like, why? And he's like, something's going on. They don't know what. Long story short, my mother ended up passing away that day oh my um, while my grandmother was still in the hospital. So it, wow. it was so weird because she wasn't, you know, she wasn't having any serious complications. It, we, right. We've been through the blood clot thing before. Was um, that part know, of her lupus was, or was it a separate? No, that that was one of the side effects from some of the lupus medicine. Oh, okay. And they technically they can't release you if your legs are still clotted. So they were just okay. waiting on it to clear up. So, okay. you know, to us, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was the weird turn of events. And then my grandmother, um, you know, stayed alive a little bit after that. And then she passed away um, July of the same year. And so did, that was that was the turn of events. Wow. And did you have to go tell your grandmother in the hospital about your mother? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you were the one. Who had that, to- yeah. It's so weird because my mom, my mom had a brother and she has a sister who are both older than her. And when my grandma got sick, my mom called my uncle because he lived in Georgia. And she's like, you know, you should you need to come up here because we don't really know, you know, what's going on. So he comes up here thinking he's coming up here for his mom. And Lord and behold, his sister passes away. So he he was. I mean, we all were devastated. But like he was just like out of it. He was out of it. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is 
around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. And then and then after that, they all had everyone has to go rally around your grandmother to help her recover. Which she never and, did. And that's what I was going to say. Yeah. So do you think that some of her um, yeah, challenge she in recovering or not recovering was the loss of your mom? I, I definitely believe believe so. My mother and my grandmother, my grandmother was close with, with all of her children. But, you know, my uncle, he moved um, to Georgia about 10 years ago. So they talked, but she was closer, I would say, with my mother than anyone else just because they I don't know. They, they were just that close. Yeah. Um, so I, I believe, you know, when that happened and she had always been worried about my mom because my mom got diagnosed with lupus when she was 25. Okay. She passed away when she was 42. So um, when that happened, I. I really, I, I tell people all the time, I think my grandmother died the day my mother died and she yeah. just was trying to hold her on. And, but yeah. Oh my gosh. And your so your little boy was about one and a half at the time of all of this. Yep. He was one and a half, okay. one and a half. So tell us about being emotionally available to your son during that, t- after those losses, like how were you able to parent or were you just a disaster Or, I mean, obviously, like, you have to go on, but, like, how does one go on (laughs) in that state of grief that's so overwhelming when you have this little person who just doesn't understand any of it? You know, I tell people all the time that I honestly believe him being me having him and him being around was was what kind of held me together for the most part, because I would look at him and I would say to myself, you have to get it together before yeah. him. Like you can't just, you know, I I think he kept my spirits up a, a whole lot. Yeah. You know, children are so innocent at that age. Like they're still going to play. They're still going to laugh. They're still going to, you know, they're not going to be sad the way we are sad, whether we show it or not. So I believe um, his innocence and, you know, just his personality at that small age is what kept me going. So I I did still effectively parent. I took a very long um, leave of absence from my job at the time. And I spent a ton of time with him, a ton of time. Like that's 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 what kept me sane. Yeah. um, Until I finally ended up going to therapy for it all. I think, yeah, I think that that's the beauty of kids is you can't hide in grief. Like, mm-hmm. And sometimes that's challenging because you can't process the grief either, but like you can't just stay in bed all day. Um, and were you, were you a single parent um, as, at that time or were you married or had a partner? Um, we, I was with his father. We weren't okay. married at the time. Okay. We actually got married when, while I was pregnant with our second son. Okay. Okay. So you had some support then. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank that, God. That's also, I was going to say, that's also significant. Yeah. Um, so take us to, you said that, well, you mentioned two things. You mentioned that you started therapy and then you also mentioned that you had, um, that you had kind of eventually had this break that where you finally had to start processing where you couldn't just say like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. So did mm-hmm. the, were those two things that they happen at the same time where you realized like you needed more support and then you started therapy or was, tell us about those pieces. Um, I believe it, yeah, it was at the same time. Cause I, I, at the time I, I knew myself and I knew that I wasn't myself. Like yeah. I wasn't talking to any of my friends. I wasn't, I wasn't hanging out. I, I wasn't doing anything. I, I wasn't motivated. I wasn't working on anything. It was literally get up every day. I would sit on the same spot on the couch and just like watch TV and watch Christian play. Right. Um, I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to interact with anybody. And that's when I figured out like something is not right. Like even some of the simpler things, like I didn't want to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Or any of that. And that's when my now husband, he was like, you you know, like you're not being yourself right now. You do realize that um, I would get upset quickly at the smallest things, not at my son, but more so um, at my now husband. Because um, <laughs> they're, they're the easy. <laughs> it's the always easy target. to get upset with the husband. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was I just. I think one day I I really, really, you know, had a conversation with myself and I'm like, you need to get help because you're going down the wrong path. And I didn't want to let it get too far, you know, away. I I think I did, even though it was only about a year and a half, yeah. but it could have gotten a whole lot worse. So um, once I realized that I needed help, I actually reached out to um, my mother's pastor who um, helped me get through through everything. He gave me some um, books to read, and then I went through uh, therapy with him for about eight to ten weeks, and it was it was life changing. I, I I tell everybody I know now, go to therapy. Yeah. Like it it helps you you. And it's so weird because when we first start, when I first started the therapy, we didn't even talk about like the loss of my mom. We talked about we went all the way back to my biological father not being in my life, and it's like you don't even realize how much that stuff like lingers inside of you until some traumatic happens yeah totally that's funny we went to my husband and i went to therapy started therapy like i don't know a year and a half ago trying to figure out if we were going to have a second child or not and because we have all these infertility issues it was like how would we work around that and we just couldn't figure it out so we go to therapy and it's funny that like we go for that but we end up talking about like money management or like all these other things come up and i'm like aren't we supposed to be talking about babies like but it's you can't there's like all these things that you you feel like you can compartmentalize all these parts of your life and be like, well, that was in the past. I'm going to put it over here. And you really can't like, you have to go back to all these foundational fundamental things. um, And then that can, and work through those to get to the present and understand how you're, surviving and interacting and relating to others in the present yes it's it's so weird it's so weird but it it works though it really does yeah yeah I'm so glad you brought that up because I've mentioned multiple times on the show that I'm a big advocate of therapy and I think that it's really important to absolutely I think it's important to destigmatize it um because I think that people go through, I mean, we all have these seasons in our life where things just get really tough. And so it might be someone who, you know, struggles chronically with depression, but it also could just be someone who's just going through a really rough patch because of a Mm -hmm. life circumstance, which it sounds like was your situation. And I think that it's just so important that it can be like very normal and um, I mean, it's obviously a tremendous sense of relief to go through therapy and have someone support you through that. But I also think that we should normalize that kind of coping because it's so powerful, like you just said. So, yeah, absolutely. And how were that? So that was a year and a half after 
that those two significant losses. And so now it's been a couple of years since then. And how are you coping today? You know, today I, I tell people all the time it, it's it's like night and day. Um, for example, I remember when they when they both first passed away, specifically uh, my mother. Like I I literally couldn't even drive past like her favorite fast food restaurant without bawling. Like it was, oh my gosh. it was that it was that devastating. But now <clears throat> it's like. I could talk about her and smile. Um, yeah. I think about all the good times that we had together. And that's another thing. I had to start putting things in, you know, in perspective. Um, thankfully, me and my mother had a great relationship. I know people who lose parents that, you know, at the time that they lose their parents, they weren't even talking or, or they lose parents who they never, you know, they didn't have a good childhood. So I, I started to just change my mindset on it. And, you know, I, I don't have her now and I'm 29, but I had her for 24 years. Some people lose their mother when they're 16, yeah. which I couldn't even imagine that. Right. Um, but now it's it's I I make it all positive. Um, I do miss her. I do still wish she was here, but I do understand. And, and people often look at me like I'm like a 50 year old woman when I say this. <laughs> but I tell people all the time she had to go in order for me to become the person I was meant to be. Oh, it, I love that perspective. It, it it had it had to happen because when I look at where I am now and back then, it is it was just meant to be. Yeah, is I think that I've been talking a lot recently um, about grief and working through grief and coming out stronger on the other side. And that you like when you're in it, you don't you can't see that part of it, but that you always inevitably you always come out stronger because of what you've endured. And I um, I think that that perspective is so important um, because when we are when you're in the middle of loss, you can't see that. You're just like I you can't figure out how to cope and you can't figure out like, why did this happen to me and why do I have to suffer right. through this? And so, um, I love that. I think that perspective is really, really powerful. And I, you know, and also I have to say when, when we were talking about doing this interview and I was putting together questions and I thought like, if someone was going to ask me these questions, I might just be like sobbing and hysterical the whole time. <laughs> and so I love that you, I mean, I can really tell that where you are today is really at like a place of peace and a place of being able to talk about it Absolutely. and wanting to be really open about it and sharing, um, but you're able to do that without, um, you know, with, uh, without sounding like you're coming from a place of current pain, which I think is, is really great to hear. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how your mother and grandmother live on in your life and in your son's life or in your son's lives, oh, the wow. two boys. <laughs> it, it's so funny. Cause it, although my, my, uh, Old, well, although Christian was only one and a half, there are still like the weirdest things that he remembers about my mother because he was with her a lot while yeah. I was working. Um, for example, um, we live in Michigan. There's a restaurant called Big Boy here okay. that they used to go to like for breakfast every day. And then there happens to be one maybe like three blocks from our house. So he always he calls her Granny Amy. Her My mom's first name was Amy. So every okay. time we ride past it, me and Granny Amy used to go there. Um, so weird. He has the very weird habit of eating ice like he just likes cups of ice my mom used to eat cups of ice <laughs> oh interesting um, he they I, there's a picture of her in um, their room he asks me a, a lot of questions about her some you know little things he remembers but obviously he was very very young so a lot of it he doesn't remember and yeah. then with my youngest son Caleb it's kind of harder because he doesn't you know he doesn't have any idea who she is besides the picture right. but I always catch Christian talking to him about her um, and uh -huh. I, I just truly let them try to remind them like when I see something that reminds me of her I'll let them know like you know Granny Amy used to like this or Granny Amy used to do this and then they'll start asking me more and more questions 
Um, I just try to to always try to talk to them about her. I love um, that, especially yeah, especially if 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 they ask me a question like how do I know something? You know, kids always want to know how we know something. Yeah, like <laughs> totally they, all I the time. That, yeah, I, oh, they they drive me crazy. But <laughs> I always tell them like you know, Granny Amy taught me that, and then you know, that's oh. what I, I try to do often. That's great. That, you know, that's such a great idea. I was just thinking, my husband's mom passed away. Um, a, like a, a year and a half ago, I guess. And, um, I was just thinking like, we don't have a picture of her in my son's room. Like, why don't we have that? We should have that. And he knows who mm-hmm. she is. And, and we have some photos in like the hall and he'll point her out and stuff. But I love that idea of having a picture in his room where it's just like, keeps her more top of mind for him. Mm-hmm. And, and you're so right about having those kinds of conversations, just like bringing, you know, reminding them of who she was to you so that they have, yeah. um, then they can still have an, a relationship with her in a lot of ways, which is really cool and really powerful. So we, we're going to take a quick break with our sponsor and we will be right back to talk about what you want your mother or what you want your sons to know about your grandmother and mother and what you're instilling in them uh, based on what you learned from these ladies. So hang tight for just a minute. Okay, friends, we have to talk about Ava for a minute. So as you already know, if you've been listening to recent episodes, Ava is the first ever healthy eating assistant. So essentially what Ava is, is Ava is a texting service that you can use, which is built on artificial intelligence and the, and in the background, registered dietitians are also there. So you have registered dietitians and artificial intelligence coming together to interact with you about food choices. It's so cool. So I recently took a picture of this big ass salad and sent it to Ava. I was like, I'm totally going to stump her on this one. She's never going to be able to break this down. So I sent her the salad. She texts me back and she's like, oh yes, your salad has sausage, rice, spinach, uh, feta, sunflower seeds, and onion, snap peas. I can't remember. There was like at least seven or eight things in the salad and Ava nailed it. I was totally blown away. So what I'm loving using Ava for is getting feedback about my meals, but I'm also loving asking for recommendations. This is actually my favorite part about working with Ava is I can text her and say, Hey Ava, what's a, what's a, like a kid friendly way to get more vegetables in a meal? Or I'll say, Hey Ava, what's a kid friendly snack I can make? Or Hey Ava, what's a, what's a colorful dinner I can make for a four-year-old and you get all this feedback. So you can do it to engage your kids in healthy eating. It's really cool. And if your kids are a little older and a little more mobile friendly and mobile savvy, they can do it with you and they can text Ava and get information. So you guys can do this together. Um, it's a really fun way to get the kids involved in nutrition. And like, we all know, like no kid is going to say no to like hanging out on the the cell phone for a little bit. Right. So I'm not saying we need to promote a ton of screen time, but I am saying that this service is a really great way to get kids involved because kids love this quick, immediate feedback. They love the information in terms of like, what I've loved is a few times Ava has sent me like, I'll ask for a dinner recipe and she'll send me three and then we get to pick. And so you could do that with your kids where you're like, okay, here's the three suggestions. What do you want to make for dinner together? So you're really able to involve your kids in the process of healthy eating and make it fun for the family, which is so significant and so important because sometimes it's not so fun for the family when you're just like, Hey, let's have some chicken and broccoli. Like No one's cheering for that. Right? So Ava is partnering with us here at the Shameless Mom Academy and offering free service to all of our listeners. So all you have to do to start working with Ava is text shame shameless to 48799. Again, text shameless to 48799. And you can immediately start interacting with Ava asking for input about what you want to eat or what you want to do and eat to make healthier, more nutritious choices uh, in your in your life, also in your family's life, which can be super helpful. 
Also, as we approach the holidays and things get hectic and chaotic, it's really nice to have that accountability of checking in. And the great thing is like you ask Ava for help and then she checks in with you and sends you a text back later to say like, hey, how'd that go? What'd you have? Send me a picture. So it's a really great back and forth dialogue, which is really nice. It really does feel like you have someone on your team, someone helping you make healthy choices, especially as we enter this time of year where sometimes those healthy choices can be a little more difficult to come by. So if you're needing some support with your nutrition, go ahead and text shameless to Ava at 48799. And we're back. So let's go ahead and talk about what you want your sons to know about your mother and grandmother. What are you passing on to them? Um, I, I think the, the key thing that I'm passing on to them um, that I got from both of them is, is the work ethic, the hard work and the, you know, the never giving up. Um, I'm, I'm finding that a lot of people have a hard time believing that hard work, you know, can actually get you somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I've, I watched them both, you know, work hard to get to where they wanted to be in life and, you know, defy odds that, you know, like I said, my mother was in high school when she had me, she could have easily been a statistic. So to see her go from where she went to where she was when she passed away and, and the, the success that she had and being able to just, you know, live life the way she wanted to live. That was all from hard work, hard work, like never giving up, no matter what people tell you. And that's what I that's what I instill in them now. Like I I try my best. Sometimes I do forget, but I, I try my best to not allow my kids to say the word can't. I, I don't let them say the word can't. I always tell them, don't say you can't do anything. Just say you haven't figured it out yet. And that, that was that. actually one of the things my mother taught me. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where, as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever, and your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you, and you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I tell my son that when he's getting dressed pretty much every morning and he's like, I can't, I can't. And I'm like, no, we don't say I can't. We'll say I will try again. <laughs> and I can just see like Absolutely. in a couple of years, he's going to be like, oh my God, mom, shut up. <laughs> but I'm, it makes like, me how about I don't want to. Let me right. rephrase that. I just don't want to. <laughs> right. Well, and also like with putting on his shirt, which is like a huge ordeal every morning. And I'm like, you know what, kid, like if you're going to let putting on your shirt ruin your day every day, like... 
then we have some work to do. So yeah. Um, so fun. Oh my gosh. He makes me, the, the shirt thing makes me a little crazy. Um, uh, so <laughs> this would actually be a really cool place to go ahead and let's talk about your podcast, because I think that what you do with your podcast, um, is really in line with the values of like hard work and just, you know, showing up day in, day out to re- uh, work toward goals and reach your goals, kind of regardless of where you've come from, where you've been and, um, just being mm-hmm. mindful of where you're going. So tell us a little bit about the podcast. Yeah, the the podcast is called the College Dropout Podcast, and and what it is, what I I tell people, what we do on that podcast is when I say me, I mean me and my guests. Um, we just like to inspire, empower, and and mentor individuals who dropped out of college, or if you just didn't go to college, but you know you want to be an entrepreneur. Um. If you don't want to be an entrepreneur, that's fine. The show is still good for you as well. Right. Um, but that's what it's geared towards. Um, right. I know a lot of people who, who they want to work for themselves and they have great ideas. But for some reason, they think they need a degree to be an entrepreneur. And it's just because they're not aware of the resources. They don't know how to navigate, you know, the right. simple things. Right. And um, it, it was something that I was interested in. And there were a lot of people that I knew um, in the area that I live in and just people who I follow on social media who had the dropout story. And I noticed that a lot of people shy shy away from it. It's like they don't want people to know that they dropped yeah. out. So I figured, yeah, um, when I started listening to podcasts, um, entrepreneurial podcasts specifically, I hate to say it, but I felt like I was hearing the same story time and time again. <laughs> and I just wanted to uh, talk to people who had a different different story who had a different struggle and, and so far it's been amazing um i've been getting a lot of great feedback people who are actually learning things um because the people i have on my show like they tell the raw and nitty-gritty of entrepreneurship that not right. the pretty side right right yeah because there's oftentimes a not so pretty <laughs> side well and i think that's so cool because i think that societally there's a lot of things that are that look like they need to go um you know that like you have to go step one step two step three step four in this very linear fashion and a very traditional sense of like education and career and all these things. And I think that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I am someone who totally did that because my parents, my mom, especially my mom did that. And so I just kind of did like that because it was what was modeled to me. It was not really that my mom preached it to me as much as it's just like, well, she did that and this is what I'm doing. And it just seemed like normal and natural. I will say that my sister did not fall into the same, like for her following that path was not as meaningful to her. And it just wasn't like up her alley. And it was just not in line with what she wanted to do, where she was at in her life and those kinds of things. And so for her, she had a very different connection to like education and career than I did. Um, and we've ended up, you know, mm-hmm. in both in great places in the, at the end of the day. So it doesn't really matter which path we took, but I think that it can right, be, right. I love your point that people shy away from acknowledging themselves as like a dropout or never having gone and gotten um, higher education, because I think that we're seeing more and more that that is not an indicator of success. And it's easy to, yeah. And it's easy to look at people who, um, maybe haven't been successful in careers and attribute it to, you know, and attribute it to a lack of education or whatever. But I also think that we are more and more seeing stories and having awareness around success stories where there has not been a traditional path to get there. And so I think that, you know, like this kind of this whole really idealistic vision of the sky is the limit is so true. Um, it it is, (laughs) but if you come from a, if you come from a really traditional background that it sometimes doesn't feel that way. And I think that a lot of people raised in very traditional families um, feel less than because they haven't followed that path that maybe has been modeled Mm -hmm. to them. So I love that you're doing that. And I love that you're like you said, finding these, finding these stories that are 
really interesting and talking to those kinds of people um, to learn how they've been successful in different ways rather than like you said, you know, hearing the same stories over and over again and kind of getting bored with like, with with seeing, you know, the same, the same kinds of people or the same kinds of paths um, to success. So I think that that's really, really cool. And tell us about, tell us about your college experience. um, Because I'm imagining that that probably inspired the podcast to some extent. Absolutely. Um, I attended Michigan State University um, here in Michigan uh, for it was about I almost finished actually it was about three three years um, I was a journalism major and uh, basically what happened was really after my mother passed away I just could never recover from it I, I didn't have issues with with the coursework um, you know I didn't have issues with with going to school I, I actually love to learn I, I consider myself to be a lifelong learner but I just could never get over that hump after that and then obviously with the you know the, the loans and the amount of debt you get when you leave out when you get out of school I just started putting two and two together and figuring out like you know what I, this maybe this isn't for me and and that's one thing I always tell people who have me on their show I don't um, downplay anyone who has a degree. Mm-hmm. I actually look up to everybody who went ahead and finished. Um, and at one point, I wanted my MBA, but I, I think the notion that you have to have it in order to be successful, it it needs to be demystified, if if you will. Like, yeah. There, people have valid reasons for not going to school. Um, one of my guests, he was telling me that he ended up leaving school because the the middle of the road that him and his parents were in it's like they made too much money for him not to get financial aid but his grades his grades weren't great enough for him to get scholarships so they had to pay out of pocket right and after you know a year and a half it's like he told them like well you might as well just give me this money and let me you know make something of yeah well and i mean yeah and that's i think it just really depends on the situation yeah and your the the um your comment about the expense of education is I mean, it's crazy. We actually sat down when my son was really little. We sat down with a financial planner. We were talking about like saving for college and saving for retirement. And he was like, you should probably just pick one or the other because he's like, honestly, at the rate (laughs) he said, well, and what he said is that he said, you know, college, um, the inflation of college tuition is going at such a high rate that there's no way it can keep going in that direction. So he's like, honestly, by the time your child is college age, there's two things that could happen. Well, there's three things that could happen. It could still be outrageously expensive or the system is going to be totally changed because there's no way. I mean, college will be so elitist if it keeps growing at this rate in terms of tuition or the the system and the values around secondary education um, and higher education are going to be very different because it's going to be so inaccessible to so many people that it won't be seen as like the thing that everyone does anymore, you know? And, and I, and I think he's, I think that was really good advice. And we listened, to that and we were like well then we'll put money in retire i mean we do save some for college but we also mm-hmm. put um you know we were like well we also have to like you know cover our own expenses <laughs> at, at the end of the day right. <laughs> so we were like we're not going to make the college thing as big of a priority and then if that is you know if when we get there as we get closer to that we'll just kind of continue to analyze that and look at that and look and see but who knows like maybe he won't want to go to college and 
I'd be okay with that. Um, and I think that... <laughs> Isn't that such a bad thing to say as mom? Like, I hope you don't want to go to college. I, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> so but I mean, you're, you're so right about those families that fall in that place where like, you know, like when I went to college, yeah. I qualified for like a ton of financial aid. And when my husband went to college, he qualified for a Pell Grant. So we both came from situations where it was easy to get our... Not easy, but like through a few steps, we could get our college funded. Um you know, mm-hmm. the families that are having to pay out of pocket that are not, you know, super wealthy families, these are middle class families that are having to pay out of pocket. Um, that's the rough place to be because it's like you don't have the money to pay for it, but yeah. you don't qualify for the aid. And so I think that when you when we're looking at families in those situations, it's like, well, maybe you don't need to go to college. Like, it's not really that important. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Um, the, the, the college education it is it's funny. Yeah. Uh, that's the whole, whole nother- it's going to shift a lot. It'll be very interesting to see because I think it's going to shift a lot in the next 10 to 20 years. It has and, to. Well, it has to. And I mean, you it know, there to. was a lot, uh, you know, it's definitely um, coming to the forefront. And with the loss of the potential for Hillary Clinton as our president at this time, you know, mm-hmm. like debt forgiveness <laughs> and all that, like, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I'm not sure Donald Trump is going to forgive a lot of college debt, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so let's go ahead. I want to um, talk about your recommendations for other people who have suffered the loss of a parent um, or a grandparent um, or some sort of caregiver that's really significant to them. And what, how do you advise people to work through that kind of a situation and move forward every day? Um, I would say the the first thing you have to do um, is accept it. Like you, you have to come to the realization that, that they are not coming back. Um, I hate to say it, but it, it, that's just the truth. And I know I have a couple of friends who went through it after I did. And I, I tell them all, like, I, I try to be honest, like it will never be okay that they're not there, but it, it does get better. You, you are, you do learn to cope with it better. Mm-hmm. And then I also tell everyone go to therapy. Um, you know, some people prefer, um, doing it with the religious institutions. Some people prefer, you know, just doing it with the um, a specialized licensed psychiatrist who, wh- whichever way you, you know, decide to go, go to therapy. I, I feel like you, you have to, I don't understand how people go through something like that without going to therapy. They may seem like they're okay, but most of them probably aren't. Yeah. So go to therapy and um, you, you have to, you know, go ahead and, and be real with yourself and, and you know, tell you they're not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to go back. You mentioned earlier that you, your, the passing of your mother was necessary for you to get to the place that you are right now. Can you expand Mm -hmm. upon that a little bit and explain like, where are you now and how did the loss of your mother fuel that? Um, I will say where I am now, I'm I'm not where I want to be, you know, as a whole. I'm only 29 years old, but I would say that on the path that I'm on now, um, hmm, that that's actually a great question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought I'd what, give you something what, really significant to think about. <laughs> yeah, that that is something really significant significant to think about. Um, I would say the reason why I believe it had to happen is because um, you could say that my that my mother was somewhat of a, a crutch for me. Um, not saying that I, I wasn't motivated and, and ambitious back then, but it's like when that happened, it's like, okay, you really have to do something now. Yeah. And and I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I still don't know completely what I want to do. I love entrepreneurship. But I, I almost feel like there's something else that I, you know, I need to serve people in some ways, form or fashion. I don't know how yet, um, but 
Yeah, it, it had to happen for yeah. me to do that. That's Future, a really Future tough Christa. question, though. Um, I think that was. I think that was a good, um, a good answer. And I think that if you look, you know, <clears throat> when we look at loss and we look at grief. Um, I think that it's important to think about like the strength that you have now is probably exponentially greater than the strength that you had when, and like you said, when your mom was a crutch potentially. Um, So, you know, that strength is allowing you to have multiple businesses, have a podcast, like show up in your life in the way that you are right now and also show up for your kids in the way that you are. And so I think that sometimes those are hard things to see when you're on the inside, but just from what you said, that's what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing, um, you know, from what you've said from my outside perspective. And I think those are all really significant, significant pieces too. uh, It it is. It definitely is. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I've noticed since then, um, you know, I pay attention to myself and I pay attention to my life and, and the things that I, you know, do and the people that I'm around and the people that I attract. And it's almost like since that happened and I went through my therapy and I've become a better person, I noticed a, a lot of people like kind of latch onto me as a, as a mentor of, of some sort. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Even people who are my own age, people who I've known my entire life, like one day I had to really ask myself, why do people ask me literally the crazy, not crazy questions, but like just little things, like things they can Google. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they, like, where can I find this? Or do you know anybody who does this? And I always have an answer for them, but I had to really, really think about it one day. And I'm like, maybe I'm just supposed to be a resource for people. Yeah. Of, what type of resource? I still don't know yet, but, um, <laughs> You know, I I just know if if my mother wouldn't have passed away, I probably wouldn't be um, as open to serving people as the way I am now. Like, I really, really want to help people um, in any way, shape or form I can. Oh, that's so great. I really love that. So describe the legacy you're building and how does being shameless play into your legacy? Um, The legacy I'm building, I would say the legacy I'm building is... um, a, a legacy of, of never giving up, never quitting, uh, a legacy of perseverance um, and being how how does being shameless play into it? I'm I don't care about being a dropout anymore. <laughs> um, at <laughs> one point, awesome. I was very, very shameful of it. Like I, a lot of people didn't even know that I actually dropped out until my podcast came out. Everybody just thought I was taking a break, a long break. But everybody mm-hmm. just assumed I was taking a yeah. break. So um, that that's that was huge for me. That's so cool. You know, I love I've been thinking so much about how our stories shape um, just, you know, shape our profession, shape who we are, shape our identity. And I think that embracing your story is so important to then be able to show up a hundred percent in your life. And so I love that you've taken your story and you've taken something that you were really vulnerable, felt very vulnerable about, and you've turned that into, um, something that you have strength that gives you strength and something that like you've created this whole like power position around. So you've taken something that, you know, you saw as a weakness at one point and now Mm -hmm. you're, it's become like your biggest asset because you're able to build a whole community around it and build a business around it. And I think that's so cool. And I love seeing people do that. I think that's a really, um, I think that's something that people, I want people to be more aware of. And I want women to take advantage of doing that rather than like hiding, hiding in the corner with their little stories and thinking that like they need to be protective of their stories because they feel scary and uncomfortable. Absolutely. And I'm, it's so funny. You said that I was talking to my best friend yesterday and I'm 
trying to talk her to do the same thing she has an amazing story she went through a lot when we were young and you know yesterday she's like well i don't feel like my story is finished i just said i don't mean you can't tell it now yeah but yeah you're, you're absolutely right so i think too many times we try to you know hide it and just to make it seem like everything's okay right right Okay, so we're going to go into our lightning round in just a minute. But first, before we do that, can you tell us where we can find you online? Oh, absolutely. Um, Instagram is Sierra Say, C-I-E-R-R-A, um, S-E-A-Y, the same for Facebook. Um, I do tweet sometimes. Uh, <laughs> um, it's Sierra Say 1 on Twitter. Um, but that, those are all my social media handles. Okay. And with, this is, um, I will have all those links over in our show notes. So if you go to shamelessmom.com and then find episode 76, this will be episode 76. You can click on that link there to episode 76 and you'll see all of the links that Sierra just mentioned. Um, and then additionally, we'll also link up your podcast there and remind oh, us awesome. the, the name of the, your podcast again, right? Can you remind us? Yeah. The college dropout podcast. The college dropout podcast. Okay, cool. Um, so we will definitely send people in that direction so people can find you and follow you. Okay. So lightning round. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so red wine or white wine? White. Okay. Current book you're reading or the last one you read? Um, I'm actually reading Greatness is Upon You by uh, Eric Thomas. Oh, I haven't heard of that. I'll take note though. I'll put that. And are you enjoying it? Absolutely. It's, okay. it's a very uh, deep book. Oh, cool. Okay. I will link that in the show notes as well. If anyone wants to go check that out mm -hmm. and favorite non-work related thing to do with time to yourself. Non-work related thing. I would say um, engage in meaningful conversations with, with friends and like-minded individuals. Nice. Uh, what is one morning ritual you can't live without? I hate to say it, but check in my email. <laughs> 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 that's like that's the thing that some people that a lot of people can't live without but they all want to live without <laughs> oh my god I, i've been trying to break this it's literally the first thing i do i need to stop it though do you do it because do you enjoy doing it or do you feel I, like the habit it, i don't know <laughs> i agree i've been there i don't check email first thing anymore but i used to and i didn't really feel like it was burdensome but i also on occasion you get like a bad email first thing and then it ruins your day so i was like yeah, okay like, oh, just because that happens you know one out of 20 days means I need to stop doing that. So, uh, who is your biggest inspiration? Who my biggest inspiration, you know, it, this may sound cliche, but lately I've been really, really inspired by Oprah. Nice. I've been, you know, researching her and listening to a lot of her keynote speeches. She's amazing. I didn't know her story. No, I didn't know much about her story until recently. So yeah. I would say Oprah right now. Nice. I think she has a book coming out that like talks about her life story, which I'm very excited. I will totally read because I'm kind of, she's a fascinating person. She um, is. Okay. Last question. If you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why? I would say a hundred percent confidence. Yes. Um, the reason why is because so many of us, and, and I was once there, you know, there as well, we are not confident in our abilities as mothers, as businesswomen, as friends like we just we we don't believe that we can do what it is that we want to do or what we need to do and and i i honestly believe if we were all as confident as we should be and it might sound cliche but we would literally rule the world <laughs> yes i totally agree 
<laughs> no, I agree. Like it is one of those things that sounds cliche, but I think that if we all carried ourselves more confidently, women all carried ourselves more confidently, um, because we all know, like, especially with two kids, you probably know this, like your ability to negotiate and get what you need mm-hmm. out of any situation. When you have kids, like no one is a better negotiator than a parent negotiating with a child. So yeah. like moms, governments should be run by moms. The Middle East would not be the mess <laughs> that it is if moms were running the governments. So right. I totally agree with that confidence factor. Well, Sierra, thank you so much for spending time with us today on the Shameless Mom Academy. For those of you listening in for your first time, know that we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. And if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, you can subscribe. So those episodes will land right in your phone as soon as they're released every week. Um, You can also leave a review in iTunes over there. So our reviews are our ratings. And so reviews are always appreciated. And I read all of them. So I love them. And uh, I appreciate everyone spending time with us today. I hope that you learned something. I know that I did. I feel super inspired by this conversation. So thank you so much, Sierra, for joining us. Oh, thank you once again for having me on. Um, Like I said, I really appreciate it. I had a great time talking to you today. Me too. So when you have other new exciting things going on, you definitely have to come back and chat again. Absolutely. Any, any time. It, it was an awesome conversation. Great. Well, thank you so much. So everyone listening today, make sure no matter what you do today, you do it shamelessly. The show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned today, can be found if you hop over to shamelessmom.com and then go to episode 76 with Sierra Say. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.